We start a new Perek and we get a sense as we move into this Perek of the fascination of Seder Nashim. So you know that the uh, Shas, the Talmud, is divided into six sections. Uh, the first section is Zraim, which deals with agriculture and agriculture-related laws, which include Tzedakah, a lot of the laws of Tzedakah, Peya and Neket and Shekha, a lot of the principles of, of tzedakah come from the Seder of Zeroim. And then we move into, the only thing we learned from Seder of Zeroim was brachot, um, because there isn't Talmud Bavli on the rest of Seder of Zeroim except brachot, the brachas we make on the food we eat. So that's why brachot is in Zeroim. Uh, and then comes uh, Nashim, and then comes Moed, which deals with seasons and, and all the, everything that is seasonal, including Yom Tov and Shabbos even, uh, that we've learned. And now we're in Seder Nashim, and after the Nashim is, is matters of marriage and divorce. Uh, and then we come into Nezikin, which is matters of commercial law. And then Kodshim, which is Beit HaMikdash law, and, and Taros, which is Kohen law. That's, that's Shas. And, and Nashim is particularly um, important and, in, and intriguing because in marriage, there's an intersection of almost everything. So in marriage, there's, there's relationships. That's the, the first part. In marriage, there are financial commitments and responsibilities. So there's a, a whole financial component. Uh, in marriage, there are matters of, of kahuna. There are matters of uh, to what extent is a woman marrying into a family of, of kohanim? To what extent is she actually part of the, of the tribe of the, of the kohanim? Um, issues of, of Tuma and Tyro, the laws of Nida. So, in fact, within marriage, there's actually, uh, marriage touches on almost every area of Shas. Uh, and, and that's why Seder, that's one of the reasons that Seder Nashim is so, so important and so, and so rich. And uh, here in, in, in Yavomis, as we move into the seventh parish of, of Yavomis, uh, we're looking at that relationship, we're not dealing here with Yibum anymore directly. There will be Yibum implications. But we started with, to deal with here is the relationship of a Kohen to his illegal wife. She is a wife, and that's one of the peculiar parts of it here, is that if a Kohen marries a Grusha, if a Kohen marries a divorcee, or Ken Gadol marries an Almana, the marriage is forbidden but valid. So he is married. So now, what are the financial responsibilities of a, of a Kohen who is married to somebody he shouldn't be married to? What are, the, what are the rights? What are the financial rights of that Kohen? What's the story with Truma? Truma is always a test. We use Truma to, to examine the, 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 the nature of the relationship. Can this woman, to whom he should not be married but is married, can she eat truma? Is she, to what extent is she considered part of the Kohanim family? And what, what extent isn't she? That, that's what this, this peric begins to explore. In the beginning, for our first year on this peric, it's necessary just to get some terminology right, just to understand uh, the basis. Otherwise, everything we discuss later on is very confusing. So that's what the purpose of, of today's year is. And for that, one has to start with the Chumash. The Chumash is actually quite clear. And if one goes through the parsha and parsha temor, uh, you get quite a good uh, quite a good understanding of, of what's what's required here. So let's go through the 
the Psukim from Perich Hafalaf, starting at Posuk Vav. So firstly, Kedoshim Yeyulelokehem, the Kohanim are dedicated in sanctity to Hashem, and so they need to be careful not to profane Hashem's name, not to make Hashem's name chol, not to make Hashem's name ordinary, not to, not, not to de-sanctify Hashem's name. They have to be Kodesh because they bring, they bring korbanot. They, they, they facilitate the connection between the Jewish people and the world and Hashem. That's what korban means from the karev. They keep the world and Hashem together, closely together. That's what the Kohanim are doing. So there's special laws then that are going to apply to those people who do that. Uh, the first one is Isha Zonah lo Now in the previous program we've learned what an Isha Zonah is. It doesn't mean a prostitute. It means somebody, a woman who has had a, a relationship that the Torah forbids. The Chalala, we'll see what a, a Chalala is. But, but basically a Chalala is either the product of a an illegal marriage of a coin, where if a coin is married to somebody he shouldn't be married, their children are chalalim or chalalot, um, and the woman herself is a chalala. So a grusha who marries a kohen, she is a chalala and her children are chalalim, but the kohen is not. He carries on being an okay kohen. He's done something bad, he's done something wrong, he's married to somebody he shouldn't be married to, but it doesn't give him a din of chalal. Chalal is not... Uh, about the issue. It's not about having done something wrong. That's not the issue. It's a, it's a different concept. And he, he may not marry a woman who's either already a zona or chalala. He may not marry a divorcee. Because his level of sanctity is such that he needs uh, the, the negativity surrounding a divorce is something that shouldn't be brought into the household of a kohen. And that's negativity that one can never really escape from. There's, there's negativity surrounding any divorce with the best of intentions. There's, there is negativity. And, and marrying into the, the family of the Kohen, that negativity comes with. You can't leave it behind. Uh, and the Kohen doesn't, the Torah doesn't want the Kohen to have that in his life. Um, and, and so it goes on. Then in Pasuk Yud, we talk about the Kohen HaGadol Me'achav. This is the law of the Kohen Gadol. So he is, has various other halachot. One of them in Pasuk Yud Gimel, who is Shabif Tulea Yekach, he may only marry a virgin. Almanao Grusha Vachalala Zonat Elelo Yekach. Not only can't he have a Grusha and a Chalala as his wife, the same as the regular Kohen cannot, but he can't even have an Almana. Because in, even with an Almana, there is subtle negative energy. There, there's still a connection to somebody else. It just brings in complication. And the idea with, with the Kohen is he's, he's got to be so dedicated to Hashem that just leave the complications out of it and, and focus on Hashem. And he won't cause his children to become chalalim. Because I'm Hashem who made him holy. Then in Perich Beis, in the next Perich, still in Parsha Semor, the Kohen ki yikne nefesh kinyan kaspo, a Kohen who acquires others, so here we're talking about avadim, about servants and slaves according to the laws of the Torah, who your chalbo, that, that, that servant can eat truma. So now we're, we're looking at truma and saying truma is not a blood relationship. The, the ability of somebody who's in a Kohen's household 
to eat truma is not a blood relationship, it's not only his children, and it's not even a marital relationship, it's a financial relationship too. When, and, and we see that with the Evid. Uvat Kohen ki bat Kohen, she's the daughter of a Kohen, so she can eat truma. She eats at her father's table, she can eat truma. But she then marries a Yisrael, he be trumata kodashim, lo tochel, after she marries a Yisrael, she can no longer eat truma. Uvat Kohen tiyel manau grusha, and if this bat Kohen marries a Yisrael and then gets divorced or the husband dies, if vizera enla, if she doesn't have children, and she goes back to live with her father, she can once again eat truma. So she's temporarily out of it. And certainly somebody who's not a Kohen may not eat truma. So truma is an area that by exploring the laws of truma, we can understand quite a lot about the relationships of the Kohen to various parts of his household. So that's the first piece of background. Now let's get into the into the Mishnah and the Gemara. The, the only way to get these principles is actually to learn through it. There's a, there's no shortened way. So let's let's go through it. Um, so the Mishnah says, Almana Kohen Gadol Grusha Kohen Hediot. And Almana marries a Kohen Gadol or Grusha marries a regular Kohen. So they've done something they shouldn't be doing. And she brings into the home servants who are melug and servants who are tzon barzal. So we've got to understand those two terms. We're going to need the terminology not only for now, for in, in Yofomus, we're going to need it in Ketuvot, our next wonderful Masechta. We're going to need to understand what Nikse melug are and what Nikse tzon barzal are. You've all dealt with this issue of Nikse melug and Nikse tzon barzal, even if you're not aware of it, it's in your ksubas. So, so you might as well understand what's, what's going on there. Um, so what is what is Nixay Tzon Barzal and Nixay Melug? Look on the uh, next page of the soul sheet. You've got the Rashi, who actually defines it all. Rashi says, "Masha ha'isha machneset lebaala, v'shama lo lekablam alav ba'achrayut ktuvta." She brings property into the marriage and evaluates the value of that property and writes it into the ketuvah. So she has assets. She's getting married. She brings, this is all, this is the, the, the Torah's prenup contract. So she brings it into the marriage. Kamoshe Kotvin, as you'll see in your ksubas, v'dan adunye de han'alat le'e v'hu mosif kenegdan v'chotif sacha kol kibel alav ploni kach v'kach b'ketuvah. It says that the chelson accepts upon himself such and such an amount. Korin son barzel. That means what she's saying is I'm bringing in certain assets. That's a, I'm bringing in a building in, in Rothschild Street in Tel Aviv. And he's Mechabal himself. They evaluate the building, and the building is worth uh, 50 million dollars. So they write into the Ketubah, I'm bringing in a building worth 50 million dollars. He's Mechabal Alav, that if the marriage dissolves, he will pay $50 million. Whether the property is worth double at the time or the property is worth half at the time. So she removes risk. That's, that's what the Ksuva does. And that's Nixet Son Barzel. They're called iron sheep because nothing can happen to them. They die, he still has to pay. That's why they're Son Barzel, metal, sheep's made, sheep made from iron. She brings them into the, into the marriage. And there are situations where she brings other assets in and does not write them into the ketuvah. 
ומשיירת לעצמה, she keeps control of the, of, of the capital. So in the case of the Nixay Tzom Barzel, the building in Rothschild Street, she has transferred risk to the husband. With that, she's actually transferring ownership of the capital to the husband, for which the husband is underwriting that, that she'll get that money back. But he now owns it, and any profit and any benefits belong to him. Not only the payrot, everything that the woman brings in, unless there's a counter-agreement, he can invest and he can draw the dividends from it. But in the case of Tzon Barzel, he can, he can increase the capital, and that's his as well. But Nixay Melug isn't so. Habal ochel peirot v'akeren shela. Any improvement in the, in the capital belongs to her, in the Nixay Melug. He, he carries on getting the dividends, but, but the capital belongs to her. So there are two sets of assets that can exist in the marriage that a woman brings into the marriage. The one is Nixay Tzon Barzel, where risk and ownership of capital transfers to the husband. And the other is where risk and ownership stays with the woman. That's what we need to know about Nixet Son Basel. And says Rashi, we may to, may to life. These things die, the value goes down, it's her problem. And then he goes on to Son Basel, Corin Lashon Son Basel, Karen Kayam. That capital amount is guaranteed. It just doesn't go down. Even if all the sheep die, the property goes down in value, the shares become worth nothing. So you see here the Torah's linkage of risk and ownership. You can't have ownership and not take risk. You've got it. Lots of people try that all the time. They want the upside. They want the benefits. Uh, employees want, want, want shares, but they don't want to, take, want to take risk. If the shares go down, we still want to be paid the same. Then if they want to decide, you want to be paid a salary, guaranteed. You want to be part of the ownership, then you go up and down with the with the value. You've got to take risk. Risk and ownership are linked; they they cannot be delinked. And all that has to happen in the case of the of the joint or the assets that she brings in is just define: Are you transferring risk to the husband, or are you maintaining risk for yourself? Um, and that's going to make a difference in the mission. So let's look at the mission now. If the slaves she brings in, now we're talking about slaves particularly because we want to know whether they can eat truma. So the apartment in Balfour, in Balfour Boulevard won't help us. We've got to look at slaves as the asset. So she brings slaves in, and she brings two classes of assets, they're both slaves, one is Malug, one is Tzon Basel. Avdei Malug lo yochlu bitruma. The Avdei Malug cannot eat the truma. Can she eat in the truma, by the way? Okay, she cannot, we've learned already previously. She, it's a forbidden marriage, although the marriage is valid, she cannot eat the truma. She's a grusha, she's a, and therefore she's a halala, she cannot eat truma. But the slaves that are brought in, the Avdei Malug lo yochlu bitruma, why? Who do they belong to? To her, the capital belongs to her, so they follow her. They can't eat truma. Avnei tzon barzel yochlu, but the avnei tzon barzel can eat truma because they belong to him. He's taken the risk. Whoever holds the risk owns, and the uh, it's, it's such a beautiful understanding of of how these relationships work. Ve'elohen avdei melug imetu imetu lavi motiru otiru lam melug means 
the risk is hers. He has to feed those slaves. That's what the Mishnah wants you to understand. That the, the right to eat truma is not measured by whether he's responsible to feed them. You might say this Mr. Cohen has to feed these, these, these avodim that he has to do. Why? Because he gets the benefit, the work. They work for him. So if he gets the peirot, he's got to... He's got to give them food. If he has to give them food, surely he can give them the food that he eats? No, he, they cannot because the capital belongs to her and they cannot eat from Truma. So Barzal means the risk is his. Since the risk is his, whether or not you can eat from Truma is measured by whether you own the risk. If you own the risk, that that ownership gives you enough is enough ownership to be able to to be able to eat from from truma. It's pretty. We won't have time to to get into the Gemara already, but at least you have um, you, you have some of the basis. What what the the dinim are as far as truma is concerned, as far as the, the this illegal but but valid wife is concerned. The two classes of property she brings in, a class of property where risk is transferred to the husband, a class of property where risk is not transferred to the husband, and how the laws of truma follow the laws of, that follows the reality of risk. The person who owns the risk has that relationship of ownership of, of equity, of capital. The person who does not own the risk does not have a capital relationship, and that determines the flow of, uh, of the rights to eat truma. So we'll continue with it as we work through the pedagogy.